Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. No truer words have been spoken. Or uttered. Or uttered. And that's kind of cowish. I think so. So we'll move on. (laughs) Welcome to another edition of Abel Francie's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, across the table from me in Los Angeles. It's our good friend Todd Roberts. Howdy. Howdy, howdy. Well, and on the horn is our guest for today. He is a cowboy actor and makeup artist, retired, Larry Dar. Welcome, Larry. Howdy. Well, thank you. Glad to be in. You go ahead. Well, Good to be say, in the group. I just, Larry. In case you don't know, we have a motto here, or I do. Emo Franzi's voices of the West, where folks can talk about what's in their hearts and on their minds. There you go. That's my new motto. There you go. You have an interesting. Well, you, you, Larry. You, uh, you have an interesting story on how you got into the uh, picture business, and I'd like you to tell that, please. Oh, well, I'll try and get it right. (laughs) Yeah, bear with this old brain of mine. Uh, I got out of the service in uh, 56, and things had slowed down, and I kind of just hit and miss work. And I had a wife and uh, two kids at that time. I just uh, had a new baby. Anyway, um, I, I I was just barely getting by, living with my in-laws. And I couldn't afford hardly to do anything. I, I could barely feed my horse. And so I would just... Uh, go to the local ropings and rodeo uh, and hang out with the guys I knew before I went in the service mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, watch them because I couldn't afford to really uh, compete. And a friend of mine uh, pulled up in a brand new pickup and trailer. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was dumbfounded, you know. I said, how did he afford to do that? So uh, he, he saddled up, and he finally, you know, jogged over to where I was sitting and said hi. And, I, of course, we exchanged what we had. And then I said, is that yours? And he says, what? And I said, the pickup truck and the trailer. And he says, yeah, just bought it. How did you do that? I was, I mean, I was really, really surprised. And he said, uh, I just got back from Arizona, made $5,000. Well, at that time, 5000 was a lot of money. Amen. Still is. And, <laughs> Not what and, it used to be. Uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> oh, hardly, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, he said he just came back from Arizona, and, you know, he made all that money. And I said, Doing what? And I never paid attention, and he worked extra stuntman, cowboy. And he, I guess he did a couple of saddle falls and so forth. And anyway, that uh, paid for it all. And I said, my God, I can ride a horse. How can I do that? <laughs> and uh, so I took a little time, and I proceeded in checking with people. And... Uh, 
friend of mine, which uh, uh, turned into one of the top stunt women. Bunker knows her or knew her. Oh, Patty. Um, Patty Elder was very, very, very good friends at that time. And we were sitting around. She was working in a coffee house. Her husband was welding mufflers. And I was just hit and missing doing concrete or something, you know, when I could. And we were talking, and I told him the story of Jack coming in with that new rig. And I said, we ought to do that. And uh, I said, I guess you have to know somebody. And so she thought of for me. She said, well, this director that used to live behind her. And she said, she, she knew him pretty well. I said, well, you got to talk to him and see if he can. And the man got her in. And so she's working extra. And I'm still out of it. And her husband, of course, is too. And uh, so a little time goes by. And I said, well, see if he can get us in. The next, her husband gets a card. Was that Jerry? <laughs> and I'm still out. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, so finally, finally, anyway, I, he wrote me a letter. I went in and I got a card. And they immediately started sending me, because I could horseback, to, you know, uh, on jobs. And that's how it actually started, because of this man driving in. Hmm. Well, you know, it's funny because back then, I didn't realize it when I started, uh, but there wasn't that many people working to pick, you know, especially stuntmen was a small group of people. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like it is today. Mm -hmm. And it was the same oh, thing with the that's riders. True. There was a key group of guys that rode, did all the work. And those were the guys that generally were the henchmen and stuff like that. But yeah, breaking into that was a little hard because nobody, you know, nobody knew about it. Hmm. Interesting. So your your first your first television uh, was uh, Tombstone Territory or Bat Masterson, which came first? It was Tombstone Territory. You want me to tell you that one? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay, guys. Uh, I I got a call, horse call, and um, we were out, you know, riding, doing whatever they were telling us to do. Of course, and I was so green, I knew nothing. And uh, the director saw me and told the assistant, he says, I could make that kid a star. And uh, <laughs> something came up anyway. The, the assistant came over and said, the director wants to talk to you. So, you know, I went over there and the director shook my hand and said, kid, can you act? <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I can. And... Uh, so he says, okay, you're going to do this. And he made me one of the bank robbers. And um, that that was just a silent bit, you know, horsework. And shot. I uh, robbed the bank, jumped on a horse, and rode off. And then I get shot as I get on the horse. But I don't fall off. I, I end up, you know, the shot is me Behind a rock, I had to quit the, the getaway, and I was going to fight it out behind this rock. 
with uh, the hero, I guess. So that was the first of it. Was that and was at the end of that shoot? The director was doing the next episode, and they came up with an actor short. And the director looks at the assistant and says, "You know who to get." <laughs> so <laughs> they called me over. And, oh, that was a painful thing. But anyway, that was my first dialogue was uh, on uh, uh, the Texan. Wow. The Texan series or the Texan episode? The, the, the series with Rory Calhoun. Yeah, yeah, that was a good series. Yeah. yeah I didn't yeah. have that down on my list. So. Yeah, I wonder why IMDb doesn't show yeah. that. But. Well, you know. You know, uh, that first director, was that uh, Richard Barr that uh, gave you the break? I don't know. Because you did a couple of shows with You're talking about 70 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think it it was Holly something. Holly. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I got a couple of the directors you worked for, you know, on Tombstone territory, and so I. Oh, Richard Barr. Uh, that's was Tombstone, but this this was the text, and that yeah. was my first line. Yeah. And I thought that was so neat that about I guess six months later I was going, you know, that wasn't that hard. <laughs> it was sweating, sweating tears when when I first had to deliver the lines. And I screwed up so badly. It was. Uh, it was easy. I was supposed to be a, a cowboy trying to goad uh, the hero into a fight at the saloon. Mm-hmm. And and I they they're setting me up, and uh, they said you're you're covering uh, the stars lighting. Rory Calhoun's lighting. And I didn't know anything about lighting, and I kept moving, and my hat would shade his face, and they were just, you know. And then I would move my feet, and the spurs would jingle, the sound man was all over me, and by the time I said it, I was so scared. (laughs) It was easier to ride a horse than to do that, huh? Oh, much easier. (laughs) Much easier. Wow. Hey, I'd rather fall on my head and do dialogue. <laughs> yeah. So much so much easier. Well, okay, so after Tombstone Territory, uh, you have some uh, credits down uh, with Bat Master- on the Bat Masterson series. Oh, yeah. And that started because Jane Berry saw me and actually came over and said, Kid, do you want to be my stand-in? Oh. And, and I thought, well, stand-ins don't make the same money that the cowboys do, you know, riding and, and the stunt double stuff. But they work every day. And I, Well, they do, that's true, but it was almost like, oh, uh, I'd say almost a quarter difference yeah, in paycheck. Yeah, way more difference. And I said, well, if I can do your riding and I can, you know, get some you know, your double work, and he says, well, I have nothing to say about that. You have to talk to the, you know, the uh, production manager and the, the assistant. And they said, well, we'll try you out. 
so anyway, I I went on the thing, and I got a few, you know, like every day that they went out on location. Of course, I was on a horse, and uh, so that was paying off all right. So I just kind of stuck with it. And then uh, I got a, a small little stunt part. Uh, you know, it wasn't much to begin with. I think they folded a tent down on me. Mm-hmm. And um, so I thought about the acting, and I went over to the producer's office. That was uh, Andy White. Uh, no. Oh, there was Frank oh, Pittman with boy, Andy yeah. White. Was Yeah, Andy White. Andy White, and there was another guy. Frank but Andy, Andy liked me a lot. And I told him I wanted to part. He says, okay. And he called over to the casting office. And I think the next week I was on, had a little tiny thing on uh, Tombstone Territory. Uh, so I don't know whether I had a part before that on Gene or not, but that started it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd work, you know, on... Uh, uh, bat, and then on Tombstone, and then on Bat, and on Tombstone. Was it the so same forth. production company? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes, they were the Zibs. Oh, okay. Studio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How was yeah, how, little tiny Zib? How was Gene Barry to work with? I was just going to ask him. That. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I that's hard to say because he he wasn't a problem, but he was very aloof. And uh, I think he expected me to be a gopher, and I wasn't. Mm. Tell us the uh, so, candy bar story. Oh, <laughs> ah, that's good. Oh, you really want to get me in trouble. Huh? Yes, I do. <laughs> that's what we're here for. Well, well, one day, one day I was walking by uh, Gene. He was in his chair, you know, reading his lines, figuring for the next thing, and he he calls me over. And he hands me a quarter and says, he'd like this candy bar from, from the commissary. And I said, okay. So I look at it, a quarter, and I, I jog over there, and I got him a candy bar. The candy bar was 15 cents. There was only a dime left. <laughs> I thought to myself, now, he could have given me, you know, 30 cents or whatever, or a 50-cent piece, and we could have both had a candy bar, but mm-hmm. I got back, handed him the candy bar, and his hand came out immediately for the change. There's <laughs> 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 so many actors yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he he was tight. And uh, <laughs> another story like that is he he had just finished, I guess, building a house. And now I didn't go. I didn't go, but he invited the wardrobe people and the makeup artists and I don't know, an assistant director or somebody to come see his house. He was so proud of it. And they went. They they got greeted him at uh, the door type thing. That Gene, all, you know, brings them all around, shows them all the rooms, all of the. The fancy stuff he's got, and never stops to say, "You want to sit down? What you want to uh, drink? A soft drink or 
water, anything. He parades them through, goes right to the front door, and ushers them out. <laughs> wow. You mean he didn't charge a mission? <laughs> yeah, really. Don't forget to visit our right. gift shop. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, <laughs> but anyhow, that's the kind. And then, like Burt Reynolds always said, he. I studied humility from Gene Berry. <laughs> <laughs> so that gives you the you know the, my relationship with Gene. How do you think he he portrayed the character of Bat Masterson? Well, he was corny. He was very corny. I thought mm -hmm. he, he wasn't. Uh, but you know, at that time, acting had a little bit different. You know, he came out of the Golden Circle at Paramount, mm -hmm. yeah. and um, I think acting still looked like you were acting. And uh, well, probably twenty, thirty years ago, everybody started to act more natural, mm -hmm. and it got better. But yeah, I thought both he and Pat Conway, I thought, was kind of over the board. Hmm. Yeah. He, 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 they all moved too much, did a little bit too much, you know, in their scene, try, probably trying to steal it. Right. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, because, you know, I, I, I'm guilty of watching these guys, you know, in, in, uh, on the movies, when I, and I still do it. And it's like, oh, that guy's a writer. That guy's not a writer. I drive Harry nuts with that. <laughs> and what, what is your take on Barry as a horseman and also Conway as a horseman? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, do you want me to again. give you... Oh, my goodness. You really are getting me in. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I'm the evil guy on this show. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> Gene got a new horse. Uh, he started out with a, a bay horse and then he rode a, a Palomino. And uh, he was trying the horse out, I guess. I thought he would have tried it before. But uh, anyway, we were out at Autry's Ranch. And he went racing down the street and around the back of, you know, in the back. And then he comes back flying around. He comes back up the street. And he stops and he gets off. And uh, he looks at me. And I'm trying to think of who the the wrangler was he was a nice guy anyway he looks at us and he says how was that and we both you know shook our head that that was good that was good <laughs> and he says what what do you mean good <laughs> and i said yeah that was good and he says i write as good as you do <laughs> and the wrangler <laughs> like he was chewing chewing tobacco he spit on the ground and says, you won't ever ride as good as he did. That rank no. lasted that show and was gone. Oh, boy. Wow. Hey, we got to do our first commercial break uh, on the program. We're talking with uh, retired cowboy actor and makeup artist Larry Darr. Here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, we'll be back with much more right after these very important messages. 
was on it, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. Coming to you from the great southwestern United States. You're darn tootin'. Yes, sirree, Bob. This is the Voices of the West. We were out on a lone prairie On Franklin's Ridge one night our heads up on our saddles, the fire was burning bright. Some were telling stories, while some were singing songs. Some were idly smoking as the hours rolled along. We're back on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker DeFrance, and Todd Roberts. Our guest is Larry Dar. Yeah, some old cowboy music there. Yeah, that's good. That's the way it's supposed to sound. Yeah, exactly. It's called Scratchy and... Well, not Scratchy. That's old style. <laughs> that's right. That's the real style. That's right. All right, Larry, uh, you continued, uh, according to IMDB, which is not necessarily, I equate that to like Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, sometimes it's true. <laughs> Uh, but according to IMDb, you uh, apparently stopped work as an actor in 1961, but did not come back. Uh, you came back into the entertainment business in 1970 as a makeup artist. How did that all come up? 
well, I'd never quit. <laughs> okay. I, I I don't know how that comes out. I I still, you know, did, I was started to do just extra work, and I got really fed up with, uh, you know, they lawyer uh, doctor programs <laughs> took mm-hmm. over, just like we do. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I happened to be on. A set at four star and talking to the makeup artist. I love talking to him and watching him, you know, when he was doing stuff. And I used to play with his, his makeup every once in a while. Did your wife and, know? Um, <laughs> and, uh, what was his name? He was, he was an old Canadian air force guy. Ah. And, um, Anyway, he, I was telling him that I w- wasn't getting enough work, and he said, well, you're on the wrong side of the camera. And I, what? So, you know, we talked for a few minutes. He says, yeah, he says, I think you'd make a good makeup artist. And I, that was probably mid-60s, 64, 5, because I had... I think somewhere in there, uh, he sent me to uh, ABC and uh, Rudy Horvitich at the time was the head of makeup. And I talked to him and he said, yeah, we'll give you a try. Well, nothing happened. It was like, oh, almost, I it felt like a year. Mm-hmm. And one day the phone rings and he says, I can use the makeup artist. Come on in. What, what, what? I had no training. <laughs> and I got in there, and, and he said, I told him I didn't have a case. And he said, that's all right. We always have two or three extra cases. And I got there, and he said, you got your choice. The Hollywood Palace, which was a big thing where every known superstar performed, or... Uh, Shindig, which was a kid's show that was music yeah. and dancing. Mm-hmm. And I, I went, well, well, I can't do makeup on superstars. I hardly know how to do it. So I said, oh, I'll take Shindig. <laughs> so I, I worked there a little bit, and I think I worked a couple of days, and then I was off, and I didn't work for about another, well, maybe a month, and he calls me back. And then pretty soon I was working like three, four days a week. And I couldn't figure that out. There was one of the makeup artists there says uh, something about, you know, there's always another guy that's doing the job when you're not doing it. And that means there's a, a what do you call it, a, a permanent makeup position. Mm-hmm. So I went in and I said, how come I'm not on staff? And he looked at me and he knew what I was talking about. And the next thing I was on staff, <laughs> I was there for 13 years. Yeah. I got a question for you. I remember when, uh-huh. when we were talking earlier, I know, I, you know, you think I'm trapping you again, but I remember you telling us about uh, your, your first experience with makeup. You were working on a show and the guy said, 
I put you to work doing the sideburns. <laughs> oh, that's what that was. I used to mess with his, uh, you know, makeup. And there was cowboys, and they they came in and they wanted them all to have sideburns because, you know, that was the 1880s. And there was one makeup artist, and he says, I can't do that. I, I'm only one person. And I said, don't worry about it. I'll do it. <laughs> and he, he looked at me, and I said, no, really, I'd like to try. <laughs> so he put his his hair out and, uh, uh, you know, scissors and the glue, and then he went on, and he was doing makeup on somebody. And I laid, oh, I don't know, two or three sets of those, I guess. And he said, the only thing I did wrong was I had the hair going down straight instead of sweeping back. Hmm. And he says, that's the only criticism I can give you. Hmm. So there was, that, that'll give you an idea why he said I'm on the wrong well, side of the camera. That's good, because it's better than the, <clears throat> the sideburn looking like a mustache or, yeah, or, right. or chin beard. <laughs> <laughs> well, they used to use those hair pieces, yeah. you know. And use them in different places. Like, like uh, I used to use uh, uh, small um, mustaches for eyebrows. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. You turn them upside down and, and throw some uh, goo through it, you know, and, and comb it in the right position. <laughs> did you ever... So, did, yeah, there... Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to ask, did you ever uh, work with uh, Michael F. Blake? Yeah, I guess I did. I'm not sure. Like, uh, well, he, he was a makeup, those, a makeup artist. Yes, I. I'm pretty sure I know who he is. Mm -hmm. I think I met him one time, and it wasn't on a job. We were in Las Vegas, and uh, he walked up and introduced himself. He knew immediately who I was, mm -hmm. and I was there with uh, the SAS people. My wife was getting. Uh, an award, and um, anyway, I, we were, it was uh, Cowboy Christmas, and so we were walking around kind of, you know, window shopping, and and it, he came up to me, and, it, it, you know, we started talking, and then uh, we were walking by a, a little booth, and down there on the floor was a, uh, a black uh, case and it looks just like the location box that the makeup artists use. Mm -hmm. And he says, "Look at that! That's a makeup case." And I looked at it. And I said, "No, it isn't." He said, "Yes, it is." I went, "No, it looks just like it, but it has the hole in the middle for the what they call it the machinist Bible, which is their uh, book to go to for." their numbers and everything to work with on the lathe. Mm -hmm. And I said, the same company makes them, but that happened to be a machinist case that looks like our makeup cases. And he looked at me and I said, it's real. And he took it and <laughs> we went on. You know, speaking of, of, of action shooters, tell us a little bit about uh, Denise, or should we call her Donna Starr? No, no, her, her cowgirl name is Darnit Dar. That's what I said. Correct. Darnit Dar. Darn and it? she wears, she's totally period in her outfit, 
and she wears a big, huge, flat brim prairie hat. Boy, she is something to watch at ride. I tell you, she really is. Well, Larry, tell us about her. You know, how did you meet her? Well, how did I meet my wife no. on the trail? Yeah. <laughs> on the trail over, I used to live over in Sunland, and oh, okay. uh, she she rode out there, and I and I, I went by, and uh, I saw her a few times, and uh, <laughs> it's interesting. She was with her girlfriend, and they said. The girlfriend says, I want a Don's Burger. Now, for Valley people, Don's Burgers was there forever over in by Warner Brothers. And it was a beer hall, and it had really good hamburgers. And I heard that, and I said, you know what? That sounds so good. I, I In fact, I'll buy. So I picked the girls up. And we went and had burgers, and that was how things started. And uh, well, it, I guess that was the second meeting. I'm sorry, I actually met her at the Corral Bar, which was a neighborhood type thing. And I don't know if are you familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. The, the corral was over there at, on the, uh, the dam at uh, in Sunland. Yeah, it's heading up and to the it, San Gabriel's. It's where they shot uh, Terminator, where he steals the guy's shotgun and, and motorcycle. Well, that was the bar. Yeah. Okay. And they had a 50, 50-foot hitch rail in the back for horses. Well, I got a question so, for you. You know, living, yes. living out there in Sunland, you know, because I know you knew you knew Patty, and Patty married uh, uh, Jerry Gatlin. Gatlin had a place out there, and there was a lot of stunt people, the horse people. Uh, Denny Allen had a place out there for horses. Stevie Myers was out there. Did you know Stevie or, or Denny? Denny? Uh, the, the last name? Denny Allen. I don't know. It might have been later because he had he had the horses on High Chaparral and and sometimes on Bonanza. Well, that's when I was doing uh, uh, makeup and not working. Right. I, I ran into hardly any people. There are a few stunt people that uh, would be on the lot for uh, uh, spelling. Yeah, Love Boat and, was not uh, the best job in the world for stunt people. <laughs> <laughs> Fall off a boat. Yeah, really. Hey, we got to do our next yeah, commercial. We got to hang on, okay. Larry. We got to do our next commercial break here. Larry Dar is our guest here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West with Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. We'll be back with much more right after this. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Paul Ash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. 
The Poash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. Contact the Poash Management Company today at poashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Polash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Ole Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSki.com. Hi everyone, it's Susan McRae and welcome to Chaparral Roundup. As you know, I've postponed the March event to October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd so we can all relax, have a great time with great dinners, a great lunch at the White Stallion Ranch, Q&A panels, screenings of a couple of our favorite High Chaparral shows, the documentary of Kent McRae so we can honor him during his favorite reunion, and we have a great silent auction to benefit the Robert F. Hoy and Kiva Hoy charity at the Tucson Medical Center. If you're already registered for March, you're automatically registered for October. But if you're not, you better register by September 17th. I look forward to seeing you all, and so does Don, with his confessions of an acting cowboy. You'll have fun. See you in October for the Chaparral Roundup at Lodge on the Desert in Tucson, Arizona. My name is Neil Summers. I started my 53-year stunt profession on High Chaparral and Gunsmoke and a few other shows. And I'm still active, and uh, I want to thank Voices for the West for having me on. It's the Voices of the West. on Animal Frenzies of Voices of the West Harry Alexander Bunker de France and Todd Roberts Indeedy. and uh, you were gonna, you were saying something about uh, Neil oh I was just saying you know Neil said you know he got his start doing uh, on Gunsmoke and uh, High Chaparral and we actually started back in 60 I started in 64 and he started about about four or five years because he was still in high school working Death Valley days up around Scottsdale and <laughs> boy, Apache oh Junction. So he had about six years head start before the, you know. Yeah. Our guest is uh, cowboy actor, retired, and makeup artist, retired, uh, Larry Dar. And uh, I, I see, according again to IMDb, you worked on the uh, uh, New Heart TV series, and uh, I'm intrigued by that last, the last New Heart in 1990. What kind of what was uh, the 
what was the uh, was that the wake up one? Yeah. Oh, okay. What was the what was it like on the set for that? Yeah, it was all a secret. Yeah. Nobody knew that was coming except for the people who really, uh, you know, were in tight. Uh, the makeup, we we had no idea that was happening. Mm-hmm. And then when Suzanne was, you know, everybody was aghast. <laughs> it was really a surprise. <laughs> that was a well-held secret. And it was a well-done ending to a series, too, I thought. That's one of the ones they hold up, for yeah. example. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very, very, very good. Well, you know, uh, speaking of going back to Wayback Machine here, I what did you? you I, I see you did a Alfred Hitchcock presents. Do you remember that and what I, it was? No, I I did a, a parking lot attendant. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, uh, that was uh, it, it. It was nice, a nice little thing. It was just like, can I get your car? And the guy says no, and I said, well, can I call you a cab? <laughs> And he said, uh, yeah, I don't know, or whatever. And I think he it was supposed to be all out of it, and he wanders off. That's all I knew about it. Yeah. It, uh, it, it wasn't a big thing, you know. I, most of my you know, stuff was only a line or two. Did you, Larry, did you i got to uh, say that the uh, when you sent your picture, well, Denise sent your pictures in to for the show today of you, yeah. you know, uh, from the old days. But I have to say, and I'm not saying this just because... You're on the show, or that um, we're friends, but I have to say your pre- your newer photos of you dressed up as a cowboy, you look like you walked right off the set of Silverado. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> I have to tell you, I think uh, I think you would double uh, Bud Osborne real well. <laughs> <laughs> Grabbing well, a search know, up, yeah. <laughs> it, hey, look, it, it, I I carried my own gun. You could. Possibly do that today. No, I did too. The, yeah. All the red guns were, um, you know, it took two two boys and you to pull the hammer back. <laughs> and if you had to do anything at all with it, it was a piece of you know garbage. So yeah. I had my own gun and my own holster, and I would play with that gun all day long when there's nothing going on. So. Hmm. Uh, uh, I, I've always been a cowboy, and I pretty much know what to put on, you know, rather right. than some wrinkled-up old hat that they would pull out of wardrobe. <laughs> oh, hats are, yeah. Bunker has great stories about hats in, yeah. uh, from wardrobe. <laughs> did you, Larry, did you belong to SCG, or did you work independent? Well, SCG is actors. No, it's extra. Yeah. Yes, you. All the cowboys did. Yeah. If the cowboys were considered stunt people, yeah. That that's that's a strange thing. It wasn't until the Stuntmen's Association, right? Which the I, I guess that was the last of the sixties. Yeah. Uh, that destroyed that kind of work. We used to just show up, and they point to you and say, "You're going to do this, and you'll do that, and you'll do that," and Nobody yeah. ever said they couldn't do it. They just did it. Well, you know, it was it was the way they worked. You know, you'd show up as an extra, and then you'd get upgraded to a stunt. And a lot of the time, you'd go out there, you wouldn't even know it 
they were doing any stunts that day. You might think it's all chases. Mm -hmm. And also, that's right. One you didn't things, know what the script was. It just happened. Yeah, and they called you because you were able to do the horse work or whatever it was. Right. And uh, when you got there, the assistant knew who you were, and he he doled out the job. Yeah, because you know, way back yeah, like that's, when, when you were working. Uh, that they weren't didn't really have stunt coordinators yet. They were basically the first assistant, but he had one of the guys that he always relied on that actually did that work for him. But yeah, it was the first right. assistant. They, they found out who could do it, and they called him in. If you notice, even uh, well, I don't know about today, but there for a long time, I would see the bar full of stunt guys. Yeah, <laughs> and I'd go. Ah, they're going to have a fight. <laughs> you automatically know when that face shows up, I, I, and they're going to have them. I still do that today. I'll look. I'll look. I'll be watching a scene, and I'll see. I'll see uh, Leroy Anderson or some guy I know, and I'll go. Oh, there's going to be a fight. The guy you just sitting there yeah. at the table. I say, oh, there's going to be a fight. Good. Maybe they've gone to Republic Studios. <laughs> that's, that's funny, that's awesome. Larry. What are your What are your What's your take on the West? Westerns being made today versus the Westerns you grew up with? Oh, there's a vast difference. Uh, it, it, well, you're, you're a very knowledgeable one on the early Western. And now they were good. Uh, well, Tombstone, I guess it is, isn't it? Oh, um, the, the one with Kurt Russell? Yeah. No, no, way back. Uh, oh, no, my darling Clementine? Arizona. Uh, my dar Arizona. Oh, Ari oh Arizona. Uh, yeah, yeah, Gene okay. Arthur. Tombstone Arizona. Yeah. And when you see those old films, they have the right saddles. They have the mm -hmm. right equipment. Mm -hmm. uh, I, and it's rarely that they make mistakes in it because they paid the right people to get that, that on the screen. And in the 50s, it all went to pot. Yeah, all of the outfits became cookie cutter, and they had the little crushed crowns and all that. And it it wasn't cowboy at all, as far as I'm concerned. Well, you know, back um, and going back before you started or I started, you had, you know, the guys that were working the picture were cowboys that were working cowboys that would winter in California down at Gower Gulch. And these guys, you know, they'd say, you know they, these guys were the real McCoy, and a lot of times it was their own outfit they were wearing. Mm -hmm. yeah, you, you amaze me, Todd. That's <laughs> true. That is true. I used to work with a couple of old cowboys that were from Montana. Best. They would come down here in the wintertime and make money and then go back and, and cowboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, and then you know some of them really, really did well. Um, I, I can bring up the guy that came in with the pickup. His mm -hmm. father was was a cowboy mm. who rode in those early movies, like they uh, they died with their boots on mm -hmm. and the Charge of the Light Brigade. And on the one movie, that man made enough money, I think it was like $12 a fall, hmm. yeah. that he could buy a you know, low-budget house. Wow. Yeah, it that's, was... That's, that's, it, was, 
you know, a guy literally back then, a working cowboy coming in from, from Montana or Wyoming into Hollywood, could make as much in a week, if he got really lucky on the right show, as you'd make all year up on the ranch. But, oh yeah, but he but he'd rather be up there it. punching cows. So when summer came, they would be gone. A lot of them, some stuck around because they just they liked the easy living and the mm-hmm. and the and the slick wiki. All right, we're well, gonna there's, there's no pressure. <laughs> we're gonna do our final commercial break here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, and uh, our guest is Larry Dar. Retired cowboy, retired makeup artist, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts with you. We'll be back. The land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of Westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. 
The National Museum of the United States Army to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia will include the soldier's registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. heart of gold, the ways of a gentleman, I've been told, the kind of a guy that wouldn't even harm a flea. But if me and a certain character met, the guy that invented that cigarette, I'd murder that son of a gun in the first degree. Now, it ain't cause I don't smoke myself. We're back on Emil Francis' Voices of the West. No, that's not Tex, that's uh, Johnny Bond. Johnny Bond. Johnny Bond doing uh, Smoke, 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 that cigarette. Tex had a, that was a Spade Cooley thing. I know. But Tex saw uh, te- Tex, Tex, Tex did huge, the... Huge hit. Did the big one, and uh, Tex Ritter did, and uh, Commander Cody yeah. did good on that, and, uh, oh, God, bunches of uh, So who people says did. smoking's bad for you? Well, there you go. Made some money for that. Our guest is uh, retired cowboy actor and retired makeup artist, Larry Darr. And, Bunker, you got a question? Yeah, I want to know some of the backstory stuff on the pursuit of D.B. Cooper, because I understand they they ran through a bunch of directors on that rascal, and you were there for the, at the scene of the crime. So what can you tell us about D.B. Cooper? Oh. Uh, I was there to do the beard on the guys. If you remember... Uh, Duvall gets in a, a, a raft with the, the guide, and they're in pursuit of D.B. Cooper. I think that was the scene, yeah. or, or the part. And I was only there for a week, so I haven't got a lot of the information. They flew me in, and I, I took care of that and a couple other little tiny things. And so I don't know much, yeah. other than it was a gorgeous location. <laughs> oh yeah, I was described. The movie was described as a silly chase story. So <laughs> that was a great story at the time, though. Silly chase story. Oh yeah. yeah. Was that R.G. Yeah, Armstrong, the guide? I'm trying to remember now. The guide? Mm-hmm. No, he has a, a real country name. Uh, he only did a couple of things. He did oh, some okay. spook movies that they about the same period of time, and then he disappeared. Well, um, tell us about Peter Gunn. That's, that was a popular show. Oh, <laughs> well, that was the director. Uh, he called me and uh, you know told him that he wanted me to do that. I uh, I I did the a bomber in a store. And I came in and uh, pretty much at the beginning, and I kind of wander around the back, and the, the, the storekeeper says, "Can I help you?" And I know I'll, I'll find it. And uh, I kind of wander around. I go up to the cash register, and uh, you know, I had a couple of wines there, I guess, and then out. And I left a bomb that blew up the store, or no, it didn't. They found it before. I remember that episode. Well, you know, I I, I know you probably don't have any stories about it, but you did 146 episodes of The Love Boat, and (laughs) something had to happen. (laughs) 
that you can tell us at least one story. <laughs> uh, well, see, you always want a nice, loving story. <laughs> <laughs> I love your stories. <laughs> That's what and, we're about. <laughs> and, and most of them, uh, I guess, you know, it, it has to have the right audience, but um, all I can say is everybody had their own little story, you know, like uh, the Julie, the Lauren Tweedy's character, of course, she had drug problems, mm-hmm. and right from the get-go when I was there, you know, I could see it was a problem, but she always handled it. And uh, did you fired her? I don't finally, and I think it was because she. I I don't know. I don't think it was drugs that did it because she seemed to perform for eight years. Did Did you have a a specific person that you were uh, tasked to do makeup for on the series, or did you do just about everybody? I. Well, there were two makeup artists. We did everything, unless it was horrendous. There was uh, just on last week locally here. I don't know what it was anywhere else, but the they had all of the major uh, designers on Halston and Dean and uh, Vanderbilt. And, of course, that brought in all those girls. And I think we had, like, five makeup artists at that time. And uh, Jeff Hamilton, who is Joe Hamilton's son, and uh, he, Joe Hamilton, was married to Burnett. Um, Carol Burnett. Anyway, Joe was my assistant, and we did that show and, and a great many of those shows. Joe was with me for about four years, I guess. And uh, But most of it was all done by two people, hmm. Joe and I. Uh, then I got Bobby Osterman, who was the wonderful... Uh, he worked at NBC, and I called him and got him over there. And he did a real nice um, beauty makeup, and we did like four years together with him, but um, you know, it, it, it's a big project, and you had help when you needed it. Mm-hmm. But I did the cast of the show, which is, uh, I mean, the uh, the captain, mm-hmm. uh, the what is it? There are five of them, mm-hmm. and uh, I pretty much did them all the way through. Okay, and uh, and it, a lot of times the. Um, you know the the ladies that came on or whatever. So, uh, and Joe loved the young girls, so he wanted <laughs> all the young beauties. <laughs> He's no dummy. Hey, uh, hey, Larry. In closing, please just tell us the quick story about your beautiful home, the 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 oh, mission yeah. church at uh, okay, uh, that looks well, like uh, the uh, magnificent seven. You got one minute. <laughs> One minute, okay. <laughs> I wanted the earliest Arizona house there was, other than a wiki up. <laughs> uh, and um, it was the the mission style. So I didn't know it at the time, but it must have been in the back of my head how the 
Magnificent Seven was laid out. Hmm. And I put the stalls where the store was. Hmm. Uh, my front porch is just about the same place that they were sitting uh, out you know, next to the mission. Mm-hmm. And then my living room is the mission part, all of the, the high with the big double doors. And uh, I loved, you know, doing it. No one knew what the hell I wanted. <laughs> I'd have to draw pictures and, and uh, you know, egg them on and do it. And it was a hard push, but it came out. About 75% of what I wanted. Good. Unfortunately, we are out of time, guys. Larry Dar, thank you so much for thank joining you, us guys. this afternoon. Fantastic. Most entertaining. It's my pleasure. Most entertaining. And that's it for this edition of Hamel Franzi's Voices of the West. What are we doing next week? I have no clue. No. Tune in and find out. I yeah. <laughs> 78, 79. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. 